0: Nigeria or you know those places third world countries where, where they barely have land like in Mexico there's still indigenous cultures who who don't even have running t- tap water you know and for them to acquire wealth is going to be so much more difficult than it is for us here who have every single living commodity that's, that, that gives us free time to invest in education to further uh, and, and maturate our wealth you know what I'm saying yeah so it that's really what it is. It's just that people who live in the u s are not being taught or are not looking for ways of currency like how does currency work? you know what's what's the game like and I mean, never mind that dude ever- ever since um ever since we got off the gold standard, we've been living off of debt you know yeah. so so money money isn't real I mean. It is real, but what I'm saying is that that old saying that it takes money to make money has completely been demolished because in this day and age, we we could just ask for money to a bank, tell them, hey, lend me so-and-so money, and I'll make money by making buildings and renting them out. So that way, the bank wins, and that way, I win, and guess what? I didn't put any of my own personal money in the deal, you know, so there's, there's ways out here for us to, to, to amount to wealth without actually having to have any money at all. There's there's billions
1: of dollars in government grants and they're there available every year. And you either, it's a use it or lose it type situation. But I remember purchasing a couple books that um, talk about uh, all of these government grants and how to go b- about applying for them. I, I have a PDF too. Uh, um, I purchased it on Audible. So like there are even links, they're provided links and yeah, uh, on how to apply for them. But there's a ton of government funds ton, billions of dollars, so for business startups. If you want to for, for being a writer and publishing your own book or, there's money out there to make it happen. You know what I mean? And this just, it's taxpayer money and, and it's available for the taxpayers and and, and it's just there. And you know, you're right, maybe something that might stunt our growth in that department is our culture and our cultural beliefs and backgrounds, um, specifically with Latinos, because I don't want to include other cultures. And, you know, if you think stereotypically, um, you, would you say that there are some that there are more affluent cultures than others. And, and I'll say specifically, would you say that Latinos in general are the most affluent culture here in America?
0: Well, I mean, here's the thing, man. Uh, I remember um, uh, I met this guy like in downtown and this guy actually ran an organization that was dedicated to giving financial education to the Hispanic community. And mm-hmm. he was telling me the reason why I'm so invested is in this is because let's take a, a college grad who's Hispanic, okay. Now let's take a, a white Caucasian male who only only finished high school. Statistics show that the as being the white male would amount to, through time, would amount to more wealth than the college-educated Hispanic person. And he told me that. And that's really what opened up my mind, that it's all We're about, not doing things right. Yeah, and it's all the financial education. And, and the thing about... And that's what people think, man. Like, okay, we could talk about the white man and all this stuff, but really, I mean, the white man has been in the game for... For years since the really beginning, you, you could probably say they, they they probably helped invent the game, you know so so these people had been passing down this knowledge to their kids and their grandkids. you know what I'm saying, and mm-hmm. us as as the indigenous cultures who who didn't want anything to do with that, but we were forced into that because we were living in extreme poverty. the white man came here to to California and Arizona, and, and they were like they saw us. Struggling, and then they offered us jobs, and this is really how this whole thing happened between California, Arizona being part of Mexico, and then being part of the U.S. You know, because we Hispanics pretty much gave our land away because we didn't have any money, we, we didn't have the means to get educated. You know, we didn't see that we could use our own land to make money. You know, so it, it's it's something that that goes. Way, way, way back, uh, you know, more than like 100 years, man. This, th- It's just, it all comes out, down to that, that if um, our ancestors as Hispanics did not teach us the game of financial education. And um, that's really the advantage that I would say, quote unquote, the white man has on us. You know, it's just their grandparents had been in the game longer than than us because our grandparents didn't even want to be in the game you know what i'm saying but you know that's just financial education bro that could change very quickly
1: okay so if when we think about genetics when we think about our genes and our eye colors genetics ultimately determine the phenotype. what what color your eye is going to be physical characteristics right so yeah. if, genes, if genes are responsible for physical characteristics, are genes also responsible for spiritual characteristics, emotional characteristics, mental characteristics? And, and where does a poverty mindset fall into that, any one of those categories? Um, and basically what my question is then is, is poverty genetic? Is it, <laughs> is it an inherited disability, a disease?
0: Yeah, you, you could definitely say that because if, if you were born poor, you were most likely to die poor. You know, so for me, that's all the evidence you need. You know what I'm saying? And that's really what, what this financial educators are all about. That we, we know that. We know that. Statistics so show that if you were born poor, you're going to die poor. Like, there's no doubt about it. That's really where we are here in this, st- in this state of current reality. So, yeah, I would say genetically it, it is passed down. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. It,
1: it, that's scary, right? It's it's like you. So then now no, knowing what we know about our abilities and our belief systems and how they dictate our genetic expressions, um, we, we might want to even tap into redesigning and reengineering the way our genetic coding expresses itself so that we can break that genetic code in that chain and and allow ourselves to be part of the abundant process you know now I and I understand too you know <clears throat> I ran across a fact um, and I'll say maybe like the 1930s or 1920s but definitely on or around or maybe in between World War One and World War II the world population I think at that time was 200 million from 200 million to today's um, almost eight billion. I don't know if it's eight billion, but I'll say safely seven billion. Right? Yeah. So, so from from two hundred million to seven billion, dude, that is a vast growth in population. And going back to like the you mentioned the indigenous cultures and and having to learn how to adapt. Well, maybe when there was a a time when when the populate the globe population was. A uh, hundred million, maybe it was okay to live off the fat of the land, as John Steinbeck would say, and you know, *Of Mice and Men*. You know, you could live off the fat of the land and let all of nature's resources just kind of replenish itself on a daily basis. But when you have seven billion people, and now we're fighting for territory, real estate properties, um, you know, yards, square footage, and and, and now it's become a, a a money a money factor and a money race, like who can buy this house at this price first, you know, like who's who's the bidder? And we're going to, let's see, let's see who qualifies. And and so it's a, it's a rat race, you know, when you think about that, um, you're right. Th- those cultures and there's, their ideals, they were good for them then, but times have changed. We're not in the forest anymore. We're not in the woods. We're not living off the fat of the land. And as times change, our ideas and beliefs also have to kind of morph with them, you
0: know. Oh yeah, absolutely. And this whole COVID pandemic pandemic is it is, is a key factor, you know, because people who were living in the industrial age of thinking and working the in the industrial age way of working had been hit the most. You know, and, and people who have been living in the new age of living, the the new age of working are doing yeah. pretty well during this pandemic. Right from our
1: home. Right from our home. No big deal.
0: Yeah. Evidence is right in front of us. And I mean, come on, it's right there, you know, but, um, I mean, it's true. Money isn't the single most important thing in the world, but it's the only thing people keep track of, you know, because I mean, being a nice guy is cool, but that's not going to pay my rent. Being mm. nice won't get me the help I need when, when I need help when I'm in a hospital when I break something or become ill, you know, and being nice won't save my family when a storm comes and takes their finances away. You know what I'm saying? So it, this, this is just an awareness. Yeah. You, you have to realize what's really going on.
1: And, and it's funny because, you know, and all, in all honesty, and, and, um, I, I appreciate you kind of maybe even contributing some ideas that kind of lend a little insight into your fears, because you, I never once um, have I even fathomed, oh, you know, a hospital bill or an accident like that. And I'll tell you, my instinct to becoming rich and my interest in it peaked um, when I was in the United States Navy and I would travel abroad and then we'd have, you know, liberty at this port and um, on this shore and this bay. And so I was in Hong Kong, I was dining in Singapore and I was living it up and we, you know, pitch in and we would get the nicest hotel rooms and we would party and have great, just fascinating times. And um, I looked at money as a means to continue that lifestyle. I said, I knew I didn't want to continue to be a sailor. It just wasn't, it wasn't meant for me. It's not my calling to be in uniform like that. And, um, you know, it was a real strict environment, a lot of policies, regulations and whatnot. And so I was like, "Mm." I took the Wayne Dyer route where I was like, you know, you got sometimes you have to work the job. You 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 don't want to learn that that's not what you you don't like or it doesn't fit you. But one thing I did like, though, is a taste for travel and a taste for, you know, I would watch all these affluent individuals because we were there right right there in Sydney, Australia at the Opera House. And they, you know, surrounded by all these uh, wealthy, affluent folks. And you could tell in their mannerisms, the way they sat, how they confidently drank their elixir, how they ordered. And, you know, these people didn't have any um, reservations about what they how they were going to treat themselves. Um, they didn't have any conflicting internal impulses when it came to how they were going to pay the bill. They were they they looked like they were so in tune with nature. You could tell they had money in their bank accounts. They probably managed their own portfolios. Um, and I saw that. I saw that just by how they would sit, how they would sit, how their mannerisms and gestures and how they would articulate um, their vast vocabularies and the abilities to express in varying ways. So I heard even a wealth in their discourse. I heard, I saw wealth in their gesture. And I said, I want to be able to attain that. I want to be able to eat at that restaurant. I want to be able to to travel to these countries and not have to worry about how I'm going to foot the bill. You know, that is a disease. And I I looked and I said, that's what I want to attain. I want to attain that level of comfort. So that was kind of my impetus for, you know, starting to set my financial goals and, and my financial desires and whatnot. But I, I never um, said, oh, well, you know, this doesn't pay the bills or being a nice guy. So where do you think that comes from when, in your idea when you, when you mention hospital bills?
0: Oh, well, it's just honesty, you know. It's just honesty that um, some, some people's main objective here is, is to just be a good person. Then that's good. I mean, we're all in different spiritual paths, you know. It, it's, that's the truth. Some people are maybe just not here to amount to massive wealth. And and that's fine because I don't know where they are, you know, in life and spiritually and and advancement, you know. But I mean, the truth of the matter is that, you know, being both genuinely good and being massively rich is a new superpower. That's the truth. Because you see beyond the illusion, you see beyond the old programming, which no longer serves us, you know. And by not having money, I mean, you become a burden to family and friends and your entire country. And um, if you have the ability to be a good man and amount to massive wealth freely and easily, then you should do it. I mean, you'd be foolish not to do it, you know? I mean, it's fine if you don't need the money. But if that's so, give it away. You know, others need it. Attaining riches is a selfless act because so many benefit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and
0: that's the truth, man. Nobody benefits from from you being poor. In fact, everybody suffers from, from... Someone being poor, you know you never
1: break the chain. Never break the chain.
0: and yeah, I mean could know, say what
1: let, let, um, let me t- let me tell you about um my error in my financial goals. And, you know, it's not an error, but I was having a conversation with my sister yesterday and I started to feel real happy because her conversations about money are starting to increase. And what she once saw as a lot of money is now uh, a lower definition or a a less desirable goal. And she's keeps stepping it up and her amounts keep increasing, you know, And so at first, you know, when I heard her talking in in her early 20s about uh, this job paying 12 bucks an hour, and then, you know, the years grew and so did the dollar amount and then $18 an hour. And yesterday she was talking about a gig that um, was going to pay 47 bucks an hour and then certain growth potentials and all that. And so I'm seeing her evolve. You know, she's not stagnating in that minimum wage zone. And she's thinking about, all of the pos- her financial possibilities. And, you know, it's unfortunate that it took so long. She should, because I know it, that when we're talking specifically, this um, episode focuses on Lat- Latino culture and how Latin Americans um, in- in- interact and engage with money. And I-, I feel sometimes we're a little late to bloom and to say, I deserve just as much wealth as the white man or the asian man the yellow man or the red man or you know i i'm just as deserving of being a millionaire as as someone else and so um i felt really proud of my sister that she's stepping up her conversation and her ideals about money but one mistake i committed is i remember saying that I want a, one job. I was working multiple jobs and I was making about $100,000. And I said, I want one job to make $100,000. And I thought that was a good goal. You know, I said, yeah, you know, and if you're making 100 grand a year. That's pretty cool. And, I'm, you know, not to belittle someone who's making 100 grand a year or, or making less than that, but I'm done with that small goal, man. It's really a small goal. And so now that I am with one job, you know, I'm, I'm I'm now making a little over that. And I'm saying, why did I set such a small goal? Because I threw it out there. You know, I kind of spoke it to my invis- invisible vision board called the universe. And now I'm making that money and I'm realizing 100 grand a year is not a lot of money. And, you know, why didn't I say I want to make a million a year? And I started really thinking about it. And I said, okay, Rich, if you want to be the wealthiest man on the planet, how much money do you need to earn? And a million a year is not going to cut it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I want to end up being a trillionaire, forget the billions now, because we have billionaires. And to say, okay, I'm the wealthiest man in the world. Well, start looking in the trillions now. And how was I going to do that if I'm setting goals? of 100000 a year. That's such a small, infinitesimal goal when you're saying you want to play with the big boys, you know? And I want to play with the big boys. I have a conscious awareness of money, of its appreciation, of its power, and it's something, you know, it's, it's just that power to be comfortable, to go to fly to Sydney, Australia, be around and among the opera house tourists, and be able to have fine, Dining experiences, be able to have the the finest views and and drink a a, a cold craft beer, you know, beachside somewhere, yeah. and have that comfortable life. Like I was only thinking a hundred thousand, and why not a million? And so I I know I know they say probably uh, make your goals believable. I at least I heard about that in the secret. So I'm I'm gonna say I want to make a million a year now, and with the intention eventually to being a trillionaire. But if if I have to psych my own psyche and my own subconscious and unconscious out, well, and these are the baby steps uh, required in that. And this is my slow Latin American mindset and and indigenous genetic uh, disability. And uh, then I'll say, okay, well, we did the hundred grand now. But fuck that. I want a million now. And so we'll, we'll set that as a goal. A million a year. So I want next year. Here's my goal. Next year, I will, I, my gross earnings will be equal or greater to a million dollars, dude. And, and why don't we set these goals, you know?
0: No, absolutely. I mean, if the universe, if God is our magic genie, and he's asking us, what do you want? For us to be You get one, you know, like one wish, anything you want, whatever you want for us to be and say, yeah, to be frugal and say, I want a million dollars. That's insanity. I mean, you've been given granted the one wish to get whatever you want. You know, I would say I want nine, nine, nine trillion, you know, (laughs) because that's the whole you get one wish. So why, why go small? Dream bigger. You know, that's really... The concept of today, dream bigger.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I want a Google dollars. Do you know what Google means? No. It's a hundred zeros after one. Oh. So you know what I mean. So I want to Google. I want to be a Google <laughs> Google layer, whatever, whatever, a googillionaire. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, we we dream small sometimes, and yeah, I'm a victim of that, you know. And I'm 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 here to say I'm breaking that. I'm breaking that, and I'll take whatever steps that are necessary. To get me to those financial gains and those financial um, foundations but I'm, I'm dreaming big you know Kobe Bryant everyone says, oh man Kobe passed away yeah Kobe passed away flying on a helicopter to go to a basketball camp that dude was flying in the air he was only what what was he 43 44?
0: Yeah, something like that,
1: right? 42, he was 42. I'm older than him. So maybe he was 42 or 41. But you know, I'm older than him and I'm not flying in a helicopter. So what the fuck is wrong with me? Kobe, nothing was wrong with Kobe. Kobe says, "Hey guys, I'm living it up. I deserve this wealth. I deserve this beautiful wife. I deserve these gorgeous kids. I deserve Everything, all these great job opportunities. I bet you the guy was making tons of money even after he retired. Oh, yeah. He's not there's not there was nothing stagnating about him. So, you know, I I don't see the tragedy in his death because I don't see him as a death. All he was was nothing but an abundant life. And I think if more people live that with his mindset and his mentality, and he did give a great service too, he worked his ass off on that court for us. He gave his viewers one hell of a game every time, you know, that man was uh, through and through. He was he was a player and sometimes he was his own player and sometimes he was a team player. But, um, you know, when I look at forms of success and service, I want to be with that culture. That's the culture of success. And uh, I don't think Kobe Bryant understood any limits. I don't think anybody said, hey, look, guy. hey, look, kid you're never going to amount to much or uh, don't fool yourself. The NBA is impossible to get into, or, you know what I mean? That just wasn't part of Kobe's collective energy or his, his ideals. And he, the guy, he just had a winning mentality. And that's all it was going to be just like, you know, Phil Jackson, the same thing with him. He's like, well, we're going to get us some rings guys. We're going to bring home some championships. And, um, and so you know, what What might be some tricks for our listeners to to attaining that level of success, that level of wealth? You know, because um, I did mention, you know, kind of like uh, maybe stating it, throwing it out there. And I said, OK, I went from one hundred thousand. Now let's move up to a million now. Um, what do you what do you think could help individuals tap into their uh, infinite abundance?
0: Well, I do know that uh, a lot of wealthy people, and I'm, I'm talking about like really wealthy people, people who donate to charities and give money away, they, they truly do believe, based on my studies and the interviews I've read, they truly do believe that currency is the most beautiful thing in the world because it allows for serv- services that otherwise people would not do. And, and they really see that money is not the root of evil it is what you do with the money that becomes the root of all evil. Because thinking money is the root of all evil. It's like blaming the gun for the murder instead of blaming the person behind the gun.
1: Got it. Yeah. It's, it's inanimate, you know, it it has a a latent uh, inherent power, but it's inanimate. And we only execute that power when we move it from one hand to the other for um, services rendered and whatnot. But it's interesting. So maybe, what what would you say to the audience then to to maybe utter a statement like money is beautiful? Money takes money loves me. You know? Yeah. What do you what you know what I mean? Like, and then just think about that. Yeah, because you know, if we want to give our listeners some types of tips and clues on how to start attracting all that money into their life, because it comes in the forms of opportunities, it comes in the forms of insights, and then we just take we take action, right? we see an opportunity and we, we, we go in ahead first, you know, kind of like this podcast when I mean, you and I, we started it up and, and um, you know, we, we just went in with it, you know?
0: Oh yeah, it, we did bro. And that's, that's where you, that's the way to, to, to greaterness. You know, you, you don't wait for the right day. You, you don't wait for you to feel good. You don't wait for this and that to happen. No, you do it. You do it right now. And that's, let that's, me tell
1: you, so there's one thing I learned. And someone told me this in the military, but I, I learned it along the way, too, because um, I asked him, hey, are you planning on having kids? He had, a, he had a wife at the time. And, you know, we're young and we were in the Navy. And um, I was maybe 19 at the time, 18, 18 at the time. And so he tells me, well, I don't know. And I said, oh, you're waiting for a more convenient time. And I used that word convenient and it piqued his interest. And he says, you know something? There's never a convenient time to have a kid. And my daughter, she's 19 and um, she's she's uh, at a college right now and she's going to apply to transfer to UCLA. And, you know, her school's all paid for and everything. So she's in a good situation to make that decision. And um, I could tell you there's no convenient time to have a kid. There's absolutely no convenient time because I had my kid when I was young. I had my daughter when I was 23 and you would, you know, as convenient it is as far as energy goes, because I was 23, had, you know, all this life in me and all this energy. I was tired all the time from, you know, these odd sleeping hours and broken sleeping hours and having to get up and feed your daughter or watching mom feed your child. You know, so and dads, sometimes they see that and they want to be awake for that. man. And so um, there's not a convenient time to have a kid. And you're right. There is no convenient time to start your business. And we, we hear this all the time in those get, get rich books. It talks about how, you know, a wealthy mind is going to get rich even in a bad economy, you know? So, so there's, there isn't a convenient time other than now. Now's the only time, you know, and uh, you just, you just got to do it, whether it's, you know, creating a child or, or creating your wealth, they're the same thing. It's the same process. It's an evolution, you know, you go through a whole process and there's, you know, just like nobody knows how to run a business. That's fine. You don't need to know. You want to know why I created a life and I didn't know how to be a dad. (laughs) So I just, no, I didn't. Nobody, I never read a manual on how to become a dad. I, you know, you could say if we have biological instincts on how to evolve into a father day by day, we have those same fucking biological impulses to be a millionaire, you know, to be filthy, filthy rich, dude. Because you can't say that you go for, you know, I went to school to become a teacher. And when they threw me in that classroom, I did not know how to teach. I didn't know what to teach. I I was qualified. I passed all the credential programs, everything. You don't learn how to teach until you start teaching. And I'm going to tell, I'm here to say, you don't learn how to become a millionaire until until you start living like a millionaire. And I, I think probably that's what you need to do too. You just start. You got to start spending fucking money that isn't yours and you got to start, you know, taking actions that aren't particularly or necessarily yours, but you want to be involved in all those processes that we call rich behavior, affluent behavior. And that's the culture that we need to espouse and we need to let go of all those cultural identities that have stifled our growth that have hindered our spiritual progress and our physical tangible abundance and we need to say get fuck get the fuck away from me i'm a new person i'm a i'm a new idea i'm a new mind i'm renewed in my in my form and ways of living you know and um it yeah. it's an evolution it it takes a lot of courage to make that change some people don't even want to fucking change the state they live in and they're miserable in the state they live in you know i hear a lot of people complaining about you know being a los angelian and the traffic and okay well then go to oregon go to uh some uh place in washington that you know some small um puget sound uh town go over there, go to Canada, go to some place where it's less populated. Um, but there's, a, there's a life out there for, for everyone, you know?
0: Yeah, and that's what it is, bro. As long as you take action, even, even if it's imperfect action, you, you got to do it. And because, I mean, if you really love people like you claim you do, and if you really want to help people in this lifetime like you claim you do, then you got to see the world with real eyes, and you got to play the, the game of life. You know, because now is the time to delete the old programming that has kept us in the shadows and in the ghetto and, and poor phys- physically and like spiritual spirit. You know, like now is the time to thrive. Like this goes for those people who practice spiritual riches. And, you know, if you want to master holistic richness, the money is part of it because it's mind, body and spirit. So, yeah, and, and it all begins with thought. You know, so to to help people out, and I would say, if someone asks you, what's more important, making a massive impact or make, making massive amount of, of wealth, always say both, always. Because um, in, in the words of John F. Kennedy, don't ask what your country could do for you; ask what you can do for your country. You yeah. know, service. That, yeah,
1: that's what it comes down to.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thanks a lot, Andy. We're going to close out. This is I Am Radio with Richie Ray. Uh, and we have uh, today's guest, Andy Garcia. Thanks a lot, listeners, and continue to listen. I hope this gave you guys some insights. and.